0: It's just my hunch that some of you had a hard time singing tonight. That maybe you don't believe the words that was on the screen that we were singing. Um, maybe you're just having a week. Maybe you're, you just got some bad news this week or th- today maybe even, I don't know. Um, and maybe for one person, it may be for a few of you guys, I don't know. But I just want to pray as we kind of begin this time. Um. That God would just speak to us and through um, his word tonight in a very clear way. Um, That whatever distractions may be around you, that those would just kind of fade away into the background for the next few moments. Let's pray. God, um, God, I give you the next few moments. God, I pray that you will speak very clearly and very loudly through your word. God, if there's someone here who maybe is just having a hard time believing, having a hard time um, just personally in their life, I pray that you would just speak to them and th- um, through your word in a very clear way tonight. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in this place. I pray it's all in your name. Amen. All right, so we have been in this series called Not a Fan for the past few weeks, and you know, when we look at Jesus' life and some of the things that he, he, he's done, he wasn't really into big crowds, because oftentimes when a big crowd got there, he would say something or do something that would cause people to leave, kind of scratching their heads like, this is not what we thought this was about. Like when we we looked a couple weeks ago, when he said, "I hate your family," I'm like that's this weird, and a lot of people left. And we talked about the difference between a fan and a of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. And Jesus had a lot of fans, and he still does today. And remember, a a fan is an enthusiastic admirer, and Jesus isn't interested in fans. He wants committed followers. So we started asking these questions that. We have spent time with the past two weeks, and so far we looked at four questions, and the, p- the point of these questions is to ask ourselves, are we a fan of Jesus, or are we a follower of Jesus? So the first week we spent time looking at, have you made a decision for Jesus, or have you made, committed to Jesus? Do you know about Jesus, or do you really know Jesus? Is he, is he your one of many, or is he your one and only? And last week, Amy talked about, are you more focused on the outside Then the inside. If you were here last week, she talked about two different groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Sadducees, they were born into that position. They were, of course, they had had other requirements, but it was was a part of their heritage. And then the Pharisees, it didn't depend on your family as much, but it was your hard work. It was your um, textual study, your theological training. And most of the time, fans fall into one of these two camps. Maybe you're kind of like the Sadducees and you were born and raised in church. Maybe if you were born and raised in a different church than this church, maybe you went through confirmation. And maybe because you went through confirmation, you were confirmed and you thought you were good. You thought you were fine. Or maybe you came here, you went through the mountain program. But then maybe you just figured out that maybe this, this is not your own faith. Maybe it's your parents' faith or someone else's faith. And others of you, you might be, you'll be like the Pharisees where you would measure your faith by your hard work. You would say the right things and do the right things. And the outside looks great, but the inside is nasty. And that's what Amy talked about last week. And the main problem that Jesus had with these religious leaders of the day was that they were, he called them hypocrites. More than, more than one occasion, he called them a bunch of hypocrites. And he didn't say it behind their back. He said it to their face. So one more question tonight to determine whether you're a fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus. And it's this. Are you a self-empowered fan or a spirit-filled follower? Now, before we really get into this this topic of what it means to be a spirit-filled follower, we need to talk about this thing that's really hard for us to grasp at times. And it's the thing that if you grew up in church, you've probably heard of the Trinity, Where you had God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, where there are three different, but they're all one God. They're all the same person. And it's something that we can't really comprehend, because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So you got God the Father right. He was in, in there at the beginning. Actually, all three were at the beginning, but... God the Father, he was the creator. He was kind of in the Old Testament, we see him. And then God the Son, which is Jesus. He came in the New Testament, he was born. And then the Holy Spirit, which came after Jesus left. And I've heard different illustrations that are not good. Like the Holy Spirit or the Trinity is like an egg. <laughs> have you heard this one? We have three different parts of the egg, the shell, the white, the yolk. But It is all the egg. It doesn't really... So I want to show you one thing. This is the best thing I can do to explain this. Um, It's this right here. you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father or vice versa. But the Father is God. The Son is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. So for Jesus' disciples, after Jesus died... Now, if they were fans, remember, Jesus, he was with them for three years, spent day in, day out with his disciples. If they were truly fans and not followers, they would have done one one of two things. One, they would have gone back to their old lives and their old careers, which some of them did that before Jesus appeared to them after his resurrection. Or two, if they were fans, they would try to carry out this mission of God, but they would have failed miserably because they wouldn't have the, the power to do this. They would, they, would, they would do it in their own strength and their, their own efforts and it would end up in complete failure. So in Acts chapter one, we see this instance where Jesus is talking to his disciples right before Jesus ascended into heaven. And this is what it says. It says, but you will receive, what's that word? Power. power. That was good. Say it again. But you will receive no, 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 no. See, the, the word, the Greek word here is the word dunamis, which doesn't mean anything to you. But this word, we get the, the, the word dynamite. So it's not like power. It's like power. All right. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's key. So he's talking to his disciples. He's, he's about to lead them. Jesus had been physically with them for three years. He's about to leave, but he says, no, 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 no worry. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He says, you will be my witnesses. Now that word witnesses is where we get the word martyr from. Do you know what a martyr is? Someone who dies for a cause. And every one of these disciples that he's talking to right now, would, except for John, would die for the cause of Christianity for Christ. They tried, you know, scholars believe that they tried to kill John. It's not in scripture, but um, it's in the early writings. That they tried to kill John by putting him in, in a, a, a pot, I'm assuming it's a pot of oil, and they tried to boil him. And he didn't die. So, like, in my mind, I'm just picturing like this big, like, witchcraft pot that they have a fire going and it's boiling and they raise a lid and he's like what's up dog (laughs) like he's not dead and finally they kicked him off into an island of patmos but every one of the disciples were martyred for their faith so he says you will be you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in jerusalem and judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth It says, when they, when he said these things, they were looking on and he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of sight. So I'm sure this is hard for his followers. Like, it's, it's one thing to follow Jesus. When he's right there in the flesh, like he's leading the way, like they could see him and they could talk to him. And when, when they face these storms, he could calm the storm. And when they were hungry, he could feed them. And when they were confused, they could ask him questions to, to make them understand. But as they watched him disappear into the clouds, they must have wondered how they could continue to follow him when he wasn't there. Now think about this. They pretty much spent every waking hour with Jesus day in day out they saw miracles that, that Jesus performed they saw him crucified so they kind of had this kind of this this emotional roller coaster where they were with Jesus everything was good and then Jesus was arrested and then crucified and bam they were at the, their lowest of lows and then they saw Jesus after his resurrection It's like wow Jesus you're alive and they're way up here and then at this point they're seeing Jesus leave them and then they're like, wait a minute. So at this point, they haven't experienced the Holy Spirit. So Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit after his death to help us. <clears throat> but many of us, they try, we try to do this whole Christianity thing on our own power. We try to do this thing on our own power. And let's be real for a second. like We really understand like, God the Father. Like, we kind of understand that. We're like, we understand the Son, Jesus Christ. Like, he came. We, we know about his life. But for a lot of Christians, we don't quite understand the Holy Spirit. Like, we, we think, when we think of the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like Cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacations. Like, he's kind of weird. We don't want to talk to him. It's like Jesus, like, he's, he's varsity, but the Holy Spirit, he's kind of like JV. For a lot of people, we, we don't even we don't even pray to the Spirit. We pray to the Father, we pray to the Son, but the Spirit, we just kind of leave out of conversation. We don't pray to Him. And we're not going to spend a ton of time on this topic of the Holy Spirit tonight because we're going to spend four weeks looking at the Holy Spirit. And a series come up in, in October. But... Throughout the Old Testament, we see that God is with different people. He's with Abraham. He's with Joseph. He's with Moses. He's with Elijah and and Joshua and all these people. And in the New Testament, Jesus came, right? He came and he's with these different people. But after Jesus left, we don't see God being with us. Instead, we see God being in us. And it's cool to see if you read the letters of Paul, like he kind of changes this, termin- this terminology of God with us. like He's with us like in the flesh to God in us through the Holy Spirit. Actually, John 16, 7 says this. Never- nevertheless, I tell you the truth that it is to your advantage. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, would not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says, it's better that I go because while God with you is good, God in you is even better. And I bet you're guilty of this because I've been guilty of this. Like how many you think it would be really cool to hang out with Jesus? Like if he chose to be here to come to earth at this time, like it would be really cool to hang with Jesus. And I've said things like, you know, if Jesus was physically here with us, like my life would be so much better. My life would be so much better. And sometimes we can read verses and read stories in scripture and be like, oh, wow, I'm so jealous because they, they had Jesus there or they had God with them. Like, you know, I, I can imagine like one day talking to David. It's like, David, man, what was it like to have God with you when you slay that giant? And I, I can just hear David say, no, 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 no. I want you to tell me what it was like to, ha- to live here on earth and have the Holy Spirit live inside of you, like God living inside of you, giving you strength for when you're weak. Hey, Elijah, what was it like to call down fire from heaven before the prophets of Baal and to raise that, that boy from the dead? And I think Elijah will say, you know, he actually ended up dying again. But I want you to tell me what it's like to have God living inside of you. What was it like to live on earth with the Holy Spirit giving you joy when you're depressed? Or giving you power to overcome that sin in your life? Hey Moses, what was it like to follow the cloud by day and the fire by night? What was it like to, to cross the Red Sea when it was split? What was it like to go on a mountain and meet with God? And I think he would say, you tell me what it was like to have him dwell in you every single day? What was it like to have the Holy Spirit giving you direction when you didn't know where to go? See, we think it would be better to to have Jesus physically with us. But he says, no, no, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit would not come and be here with you. See, in Acts 1, Jesus promises his followers that they will receive power They receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Then the rest of Acts, if you just read the book of Acts, the rest of Acts documents what God can do with Spirit-filled followers. In fact, in Acts 4, Peter and John, they're brought before the spiritual leaders. And these are two of Jesus' disciples, apostles. And these guys... They, they can't figure out why Peter and John, these followers of Jesus, are making such a difference. They didn't have the right theologi- any, any theological training. They didn't have the religious credentials like the Pharisees and Sadducees did. And, and they're just kind of scratching their heads, like, trying to figure out why these, such, why, why these ordinary men are making an extraordinary difference. And this is what it says. I'm start reading in verse 1 of chapter 4. As they, this is Peter and John, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, remember we talked about them last week, came upon them. So these religious leaders came, the Sadducees, and they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. Now the Sadducees, they did not believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why they were sad. You see? You see? Preacher joke, hashtag. Um, but they didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they're they're like they're annoyed that they're proclaiming um, this this teaching that Jesus rose from the dead. In verse three, it says, "And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening." But many of them who had Heard the word, believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. So the church is blowing up. The church is growing like crazy. Now skip down to verse 7. It says, And when they set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power and by what name did you do this? (laughs) Then Peter says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. And we're not going to get into what he said. You can read that on on your own. But after Peter speaks to them, verse 13 concludes this. And he says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. These guys, they were uneducated. They were just regular common men like me and like you. But yet they were doing some great things for Christ. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. These ordinary, unschooled followers of Jesus changed the world. And guess what? If you are a Christian, when you became a Christian, you received the, from God the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the same, listen, the same Holy Spirit that we just read about, the same Holy Spirit that we, that we see in Scripture, is the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And he gives you the same power that he gave Peter and John. So are you living your life in your own power? Or by the power of the Holy Spirit? And for now, we're going to hit the pause button on this topic. Because like I said, in October we're going to hit this, this topic of the Holy Spirit pretty hard. It's going to be a fun series. It's going to be um, it's called Spirit Week. Spirit Week. And, e- and every week we're going to have some type of fun activity. So Spirit Week is coming in October. So now what? Um, so we started to ask with this simple question, are you a follower of Jesus? And we've asked ourselves a number of questions and looked at several instances in scripture. And hopefully those questions helped you determine whether you're a follower or a fan. I know that first week that we did this, a lot of you guys, you know, you raised your hands like, yes, I'm a fan, I have not been doing this, or maybe you accepted Christ for the first time. But now what? Now what? Maybe for some of you, you had a defining moment where you figured out that, yeah, I've been living this lifestyle that it's not what God wants. And as I said before, you know, it's not my intention to cause any of you, to doubt your salvation. The point of this series and the point of all of this is to alert you and to caution for you, for those of you that's been playing God. It's been playing God, but in the end, you've been only fans of Jesus and not followers. So in week one of the series, we talk very briefly about Matthew chapter 7. And what I want to do the rest of our time is kind of look at two different passages in Matthew 7 and really talk about it, explain it, what it means. And the first one is found in Matthew 7, verse 13, 13 and 14. This is what it says it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. So there's this gate and it's very wide. And there's a lot of people on this, on this road that leads to destruction. It says, um, and those who enter it are many. Now remember that word, because we'll come back to that in a second. So this, this road that leads to destruction has a lot of people, many people on it. Then it says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So there's two different paths. And many people take the wrong road, and only a few people find the narrow path. And if that is true, then what I want to do is just kind of tap the brakes. Because if you're going down the wrong path, it's time for us to kind of tap the brakes and make sure that we're on the right path. Get your phone out. Not, not really. Turn on GPS. Let's find out where we're going. Because I've driven before daydreaming and passed my exit and went like 10 miles out of my way. That's not fun. So let's tap the brakes. Let's figure out what what we're doing with this. Um, I like this quote from Donald um, Whitney. It says, "If, if a person is wrong about being right with God, then ultimately it doesn't matter what he or she is right about. Think about that quote. If a person is wrong about being right with God, there's a lot of people who think they're right with God. But if you're wrong about that, then ultimately it doesn't really matter what you're right or wrong about. Because whether you're right or wrong about God, that is a, an eternal decision. Like eternal. <laughs> like one day we're all going to die and it's an eternal deci- decision. Like it won't end. Like we'll spend eternity one, somewhere in one day, either heaven or hell, and it's for eternity. Do you understand what eternity is? <laughs> but, but do we understand it? So this is uh, this is not even in my notes. Let me just share this with you. Um, I don't think I've shared this before. Somebody explained eternity this way to me once, and it just made perfect sense. Imagine you get a spoon, okay? And you walk down to the coast. I think the closest coast might be Galveston, Texas. Okay, you're walking. You get there. You get a spoonful of sand, And you walk over to the Grand Canyon and you dump it. You walk back to Galveston Beach, you get another spoonful full of sand. You walk back and you dump it. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, but by the time you fill the entire Grand Canyon full of sand, that's one day in heaven. It's forever. Like it's not going to happen. Day number two is this. A bird, he comes once a year and he pecks on a tree and he leaves. He comes back the next year, he pecks on a tree and he leaves. By the time that bird pecks every single tree gone, that's day number two in heaven. See, it's hard for us to grasp what forever is. It's hard for us to get an understanding of, of this But you don't want to be wrong about this. You don't want to be wrong about being right with God. And that's where you need to have that DTR talk that we talked about in week one. Is where do you stand? That says define the relationship. Then Matthew 7, 21 and 23. This is the one that I want to spend the rest of our time on. Um, And then ask some questions to, to determine if we're there or not. Verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many, there it is again, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I would declare to him, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So let's pull the car over for a few moments. And let's ask ourselves three questions from, from Matthew chapter 7. Some of these questions, you know, some, some of you, after we talked about this very briefly in week one, some of you were kind of scared and worried, like, am I, am I right with God? And, and I don't, like I said, I don't want you to doubt your salvation because there's a lot of scripture about the assurance of salvation. And we'll get to that in just a few moments. But here's the first question. Does your life reflect what you say you believe? Does your life reflect what you say you believe? In verse 21, Jesus makes the the distinction between fans and followers by contrasting the word says and does. He says, "Not not, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says, but he who does. Not everyone who says, but only he who does. So we believe a lot of things, but we don't always do those things. Like I believe that you have to eat right and exercise to be healthy, but I don't always do those things. Some of you have, ha- have a father who says family is number one in, our, in my life, but he never shows up to your football games or your baseball games or your ball games or your recitals or anything else. He says family's number one, but he doesn't live it. We are saved by God's grace when we believe in Jesus and put our faith in him. But biblical belief is more than just confessing these things with our mouth. It's something that we confess with our lives. Idleman in the book, Not a Fan, that we're kind of basing this series off of, He gives this really cool example that I want to give share with you tonight. He says, "Imagine that you're house sitting. Okay, you have a family friend. They're going away for a week. You're going to house sit for them, and it's easy money for you, right? And before they leave, they give you this book with detailed instructions on everything you need to do while you're gone. Like it tells you when or um, what when to water the plants." where the dog food is, how much dog food to give, and how often it tells you when to take the trash out. It says not to use the basement toilet because it overflows and it, it floods and so on. Now, imagine the owner of the house comes back a week later and they walk in and all the plants are dead. There's a mini graveyard in the back where the dog is buried. The trash is overflowing, the basement it's flooded because of the toilet. And then you come up to the couple and you tell them how thankful that you are for the book you gave them. That you, you took it and you studied it every single night. And every morning you studied and you highlighted things. and You took notes beside it and you even memorized parts of it. What would the owners of the house say to you? Get out! <laughs> Away from me, you evildoers. But for so many of us, we're like the Pharisees. Now we know Scripture. Now that's my testimony, guys. I shared part of it that, but I knew Scripture. I memorized 15 to 20 verses a month because I went to a private school. I had Scripture memorized, I knew it, I knew all the answers. To but I did not know Christ. I didn't know him. For many of us, that is that is our case. So a fan says, Lord, Lord. A fan says, Lord, Lord. But a follower lives, Lord, Lord. There's a difference. The second question is this. Do you think you're on the right road because of what you've done? And we've already hit on this... Um, In previous weeks. But just as dangerous as assuming what we say alone shows us that we're on the right road, the assumption of what we do alone moves us down the the narrow path as well. Verse 21 again says, We prophesied in your name, and we drove out demons in your name, and we performed miracles in your name. Their confidence is in their acts, their confidence is in their good deeds. One warning against this is if you were to ask a follower, if I were to ask you, are you a follower of Jesus? And if your mind automatically goes to something that you've done, like things that you've done or you, that you go to church or that, that you maybe you serve somewhere, if, if that's the first thing that goes through your mind, then you might want to take a step back and define the relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's not about what you've done. It's about what Christ has done. No matter how how much good you do, no matter how much you accomplish for the kingdom, that's not what makes you a true follower. And ultimately, the question that will identify you as a fan or follower isn't what you say or isn't what you do. Those things matter, but only to the extent that they reflect on this last question. And it's this. Do I know Jesus? And does he know me? This is what it comes down to. In verse 23, he says to the fans, I never knew you. So it comes down to a personal relationship with Jesus. Where Jesus, where you know him, you know Jesus, and he knows you. Now, does he know about you? He knows everything about you. He knows how many hairs or or on your head, he knows every detail about your life. But does he know you intimately? Does he know you? So just slow down for a moment and ask yourself, does Jesus know me? Now we're about to sing a song. I can't remember the exact words. But there's nothing you can do to, to, he he will come after you. You cannot hide from him. He will come after you. But a lot of times we just keep running from him. We don't turn and and embrace him. So do you know him? And does he know you? Because a day is coming where many, where many who have said the right things and done the right things will hear Jesus say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Again, I'm not trying to make you paranoid. I believe the Bible teaches about salvation. No, I believe that we are saved by grace, by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2.8. I believe that it is God alone who is able to keep us from falling, June 124. I believe that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, Romans 8, and 39. But I also believe that the Bible clearly teaches there will be a day where many people who say they're saved because of what they have said and done will one day meet Jesus face to face. He's gonna say, I, I, "I don't, I don't know you." And part of the reason why we do what we do every single Wednesday night, week after week, it's not all for the fun and games. That's, that's part of it, but. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. It's my goal to help you understand not to, not to how to f- define and become a fan of Jesus, but to define and follow Jesus Christ. And here's what we, how we're going to close I'm not going to have a long, drawn out invitation. But if God is speaking to you, then do business with God. Okay. If God is speaking to you tonight, have a conversation with Him. Talk to Him. We want, we want to sing. Band, you can come on up. We want to sing one more song. And it talks about this reckless love that God has for us. He loves us. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, if you don't have that personal relationship with him and he doesn't know you in that intimate way, do business with God tonight. Have a conversation, confess your sins, ask him to come and be a part of your lives. And he says, if you do this, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Let's pray. Father, um, God, I thank you for your word. And God's my prayer right now for those that are in this room who does not know you, that they will spend the next few moments talking to you and doing business with you. God, my prayer for those who have kind of been on this seesaw with, with you and they're kind of going back and forth. And God, I pray that they'll just get things right with you and that they'll just commit to you. God, I pray that you just would do a work in the next few moments. I pray this in your name. Amen. This is what we're going to do. I, I, I don't want you to, I know we like coming up for I, I want to leave this available, okay? And if you want to come and kneel here, do that, okay? If you want to kneel somewhere else, do that. But let's leave this available for people who want to do business with a the guy. They can come and do this up here or you can do it in your seats. There's nothing magical about the altar. But there's something There's something. Ma- Maybe not magical, but there's something special when we get on our knees before God. So if you need to do business with God, do so now.